bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensa Otterville. And now, today's word. Well, I am doing part three of my message, God Has Spoken. And today I'm going to talk about interpretation. God has spoken. You know, in the first part, we talked about special revelation. In the second part, we talked about inspiration, how the word of God came to us. And today we're going to talk about interpretation. God has spoken, but what did he say? And what did he mean? And that's what interpretation is all about. I said at the beginning of this teaching series that this is a very technical subject. And normally you don't teach this to the whole congregation. Uh, You teach this maybe at Bible school um, for pastors. But I felt that I should bring this knowledge to the whole church. In doing that, I have tried to uh, make it suit the general congregation. So if you want to study uh, further into this, I want to encourage you to study more into understanding the whole concept of the Word of God and how it works in our lives. When you look at Christianity generally, you find that although we all seem to, uh, to worship one God and uh, one Christ, there are many denominations in Christianity. There are broad denominations. The two broad denominations in, Christ, in Christianity is what we call the Orthodox and the Protestant. They, normally when we say Orthodox churches, we mean uh, the Roman Catholic Church, the Greek Orthodox Church, and uh, uh, Coptics, and so on. And then when we say the Protestants, is the rest of Christians. But under Protestants, uh, there are different strands. We have uh, the main Protestant groups being uh, the Presbyterian Church, uh, the Lutheran Church, uh, and then you have the Anglican Church, which had its own history. Uh, and then we have, uh, through, under the Protestants, we have the Evangelicals, like the Methodist Church, the Baptist Church, and so on. And then you have the Pentecostals. Uh, we have the classical Pentecostals, the Assemblies of God, Church of Pentecost, and so on. And then you have what we call the Neo-Pentecostals, or what we call in Ghana, Charismatics, us. And then in Christianity, you also have the other groups, uh, always difficult to define, the Mormons, Jehovah's Witness, Adventists, and so on. Christians, but have a slightly different view on some of the major concepts of Christianity. Um, So the question is, if we read the same Bible, serve the same God, and and, and say Jesus Christ is our example, how come we have so many denominations? And it's all based on interpretation. Interpretation of the scripture is so critical to Christianity. And and, uh, so... It's a subject that is very important. It's at the heart of Christianity, how to interpret the Bible. And there are different rules. I'm not going to go too much into that to bore you. You'll be dozing in church, and I need you alive. 
All right. So let's start from Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. God, who at sundry times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. It is very clear that God has spoken through the scripture. What is not clear is what did he say and what did he mean? And, and that is what uh, the whole concept of interpretation is about. There are three basic steps for interpreting the scripture and I'll run through them quickly. The first is what did the passage mean for the person who first spoke those words or wrote them? When you look at a passage in the Bible, the first thing you want to ask is, for the writer of that passage, what did those words mean to him? Or the speaker of those words, what did those words mean to him? So you start biblical interpretation by first determining the intention of the speaker. Ultimately, God is the speaker of scripture. It is God speaking, but God used people. So it's important to understand God's intention. It's also important to understand the people he used and how they understood those words to mean. That's the first important step in biblical interpretation. Second, what did the passage mean to the first people who heard or read it? Remember that God's revelation was made to an immediate group, an immediate audience. And then we are the extended audience. So for you to understand what it is saying to you now, you have to understand what it meant to them at that time. Because there is a big gap between then and now. There is a historical gap. There is a geographical gap. Most of the events were in the Middle East. There is a cultural gap. And, and, and so, and there's a language gap because the Bible was written in Greek and Hebrew primarily and I speak, we speak English and Chi and Ga and so on. So the people who heard it the first time, how did they understand it? That's so important before you even try to interpret it for today because it wasn't spoken today, it was spoken then. You have to understand it then to apply it now. It's not that hard, but that's the rule. And third, is what should the passage mean to me today? As I read it now, what does it mean? If I read, for example, that Jesus uh, washed the disciples' feet, then what should it mean to me now? Does it mean when we come to church, we should also be washing each other's feet? These are very important concepts to interpreting the scripture. And I want you to keep these three concepts in mind as I continue with my teaching. To approach the Bible and to understand it, we must have a right view of the Bible. And uh, sometimes people approach the Bible with a wrong view. And I'm going to show you three wrong views that people have in the Bible, especially Africans, especially. 
First, some people see the Bible as a mythical book. That means that it contains myths. It contains fairy tales. The stories were made up. It is some uh, Jews, some Hebrews somewhere uh, who made up stories uh, and so on and so forth because those people cannot agree or believe that miracles are real. And so because they don't believe in the miracles in the Bible, they see the Bible as a book of myths. If you approach the Bible that way, your interpretation of everything it says will be wrong. Secondly, some people approach the Bible as a mystical book. Mystical book. That means that it contains some secret codes. And they believe that the Bible cannot be understood by ordinary people. That you have to belong to a secret society, undergo secret initiation ceremonies in order to understand some hidden codes and some mysteries in the Bible which is not available to all people. Now, if you approach the Bible that way, you will see things which are not there. The Bible is not mythical and the Bible is not mystical. And th thirdly, some people approach the Bible as a magical book that it contains some special powers. When, when I was a child, uh, we, we used to use the Bible for that. Uh, when, when somebody went to steal, uh, you know, we'll get a Bible and open to the middle some a particular psalm, I've forgotten which one, and they'll stick a key in that psalm and tie a cord around the, the Bible and ask you to hold one end of the head of the key and, uh, and the other person holds another end and then you say, if I am the one who stole the tomatoes, the Bible, please turn. Uh, and, 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 and sometimes the Bible will turn. <laughs> and when it turns, we say, you stole it. <laughs> now, you know that when, when you are nervous and you are holding something, even suggestively, you can start. But, but you know, pe people accuse people of having stolen the mango, tomato, or something because of the, of the magical powers they believe the Bible contains. And there are people who ascribe all kinds of magical powers. They use the Bible as a talisman. They, they would tear a portion of it and, and, and hide it under their pillow. Or some, of, some people uh, sew it and hang it around their necks uh, for protection. There was a particular king, King Menelik uh, of Ethiopia, who actually believed that eating the Bible brings healing. And so when he was sick, he would tear portions of the Bible and literally eat the, the word. Invariably, he died of constipation. Uh, so, uh, the Bible is not mythical, it's not mystical, it is not magical. It is God's plain word to his people. Uh, as a matter of fact, God used some of the plainest people, fishermen, farmers, shepherds, to convey his word. He didn't want it to be complicated. It is a very simple, direct revelation of God to us. And it's important that when we approach the Bible, we approach it that way. Now, I have said it before and I would say it again, that the Bible does not 
perform only one function as we find in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 to 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 to 17. And 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 says, All scripture, not some scripture, all, total, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now in this passage, we are given four things that God's special revelation can be used for. So when we read the Bible, there are four important things we should be looking out for. The first is doctrine. The scripture establishes doctrine. Doctrine simply means God's established standard. God's standard. The Bible established God's standard. The basis for what Christians believe is the Bible. In them, we find the core of our beliefs. What we do as Christians must always be found in the Bible. But there is always a problem with trying to find doctrine in the Bible because the Bible is not written topically. That means that you, you don't say that, I want to read about uh, something, or let's say I want to read about, or I want to understand marriage, and you go to one particular chapter and everything on marriage is there. Or I want to understand faith, and everything on faith is topically arranged. The Bible is not written that way. So when you want to understand a doctrine in the Bible, there's no one particular place you'll find it. You have to systematically gather all the information across the Bible, put them together, and properly study them in order to be clear of what that subject is saying. I hope you're understanding me. So, but we get Christian doctrine from the Bible, but not just by reading a verse, but it comes from a systematic approach to the Bible. Secondly, the Bible is also there for reproof, not only for doctrine. So not everything in it is doctrine. Some of it in, is for reproof. What does reproof mean? It means it exposes error. The scriptures show us what is wrong in human nature. They convict us of sin. It shows us bad behaviors we must avoid. It also exposes wrong doctrines and practices. So some of the things there are not to establish a doctrine. They are to correct or to reprove us to expose error. And to do that, you have to understand that not everything in the Bible is prescribing a behavior. Many times when you read the Bible, it is only describing a behavior. So when you read, for example, that Solomon had 1,700 wives and 300 concubines, it is not prescriptive. It is just describing what he did. So you can read it and, and form a doctrine and say, well, because the people uh, in the Bible, a lot of them were polygamists, polygamy is taught in the Bible. The Bible doesn't teach polygamy, but it would describe polygamy and that some people lived polygamous lives. David lived a polygamous life, but it is not doctrine. It is reproof. 
All right. The third thing you must be looking out for in the Bible is correction. Correction. After the Bible has shown us what is wrong, it helps to restore us to the right path. It, the scriptures show us how to get back to God. And so in the Bible, you find stories of people who repented and got back to God. So there is doctrine, there is reproof, there is correction. Don't read a correction and establish a, a doctrine. You don't read a reproof and establishes a doctrine. A doctrine is the standard. A reproof is exposing what is wrong. A correction is telling you how to get back to God. And then the fourth thing you find in the Bible is instruction in righteousness. The Bible trains us morally. Revelation, inspiration, interpretation, illumination, application. Get a deeper understanding of God's word with God has spoken. A landmark teaching by Dr. Mensah Otebil on how to relate to the scriptures. When you're studying the scripture, the most important and the most authoritative basis for interpretation is the life and words of Jesus Christ. We are Christians, not Davidians. We are not Jeremiahites. We are not Paulites. We are not Abrahamites. We are not Mosesites. We are Christians. We are named after Jesus. Get your copies of God Has Spoken by Dr. Mensah Otebil. Available in five-pack audio series. Contact Auto Bookshop Christ Temple now. 233-302-688-000 or email autobookshop at centralgospel.com Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebil, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebil. Email otebil at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000. Run, run.